frequency 18, 36, 4, 82. Armerium, Vox Eterna. The Strangeman's No Access Radio. Episode 4. Edition. Strange Men's No Access Radio. I'm your host, Jock Tuckabee, and before we begin, I've come here with five important announcements. Number one, the 19th and negative fourth floor bathrooms are both gone. The rooms behind the doors to the bathrooms have been replaced with test tubes, wires, pipes, befuddled researchers, and several machines, and one manic scientist screaming, and they said I was mad! Number two, a new air freshener has been added in the server room in the IT department to make sure that the IT people smell good for the rest of the association. This week's smell is pickled mangoes. Number three. Number four, we here at the Strangemen Association are proud to announce our new Strangemen Association brand monkey's paw. Wish for whatever you want, but know that it might not be what you want. Also, sub-announcement, someone has already made a wish because a finger has been lowered on the Strangeman Association brand Monkey's Paw. You only have four wishes left, so make it count. And finally, number five, David has multiplied. Again. We're sending in a containment team, codename Bad Boys, down there, so if everyone can just avoid the math department, that would be great. I should probably give you some more details about that last one. We've had a few issues with David for the past few months, and I think that it would be better to tell you all how David got to this point. In 2003, he was welcomed into the Conservationists of the Wrong after he stumbled across an exact replica of his apartment in the sewer. The Conservationists of the Wrong was once a historic group of benevolent protectors of the anomalous creatures, artifacts, and wildlife that inhabit our world, famous for their capture and preservation of the scientifically named Big Ass Monkey. They were disbanded in 2008 after someone leaked documents about their connections to a brain-eating parasite attempting to take over the world. Now, when most supernatural-adjacent groups collapse, it's quite normal to see the remaining survivors join other similar paranormal groups, which is why it wasn't a surprise when David quickly joined the Strangeman Association after being black-bagged at the job fair. But before all that, David was a math professor at Erasmus University College in the Netherlands, and he was apparently really good at his job. He was working on complicated, unsolved math problems, teaching high-form algebra to a bunch of smelly students, and I shit you not, he can even do math equations in his head. Like, whoa. And not just addition and subtraction, he can even do division, which is like... <laughs> Am I right? However, when David first got here, he was hired as a simple janitor, mostly because the hiring crew didn't understand what a maths professor was, because the hiring crew was a collection of shiny rocks junior researcher Timmy found in the mud outside his house. He was only promoted to head of the math department after demonstrating his amazing mathematical abilities judging the 2011 pie-eating contest. A very complicated and noble feat. 
The math department has been going quite well ever since he joined, and after he started hiring real people. David has been continuing his work on unsolvable problems, answering a few of them with a little help from a ruler, some friends, and undiscovered extra-dimensional physics. However, things changed when the archaeology department unearthed an ancient tablet from the desert in the Tirasamor region. The cryptology department soon determined that the tablet was called the Eastern San of Sak, and that the writing on it was actually an equation written by a long-extinct ancient civilization that coincidentally had a language identical to Arabic. The tablet was promptly sent to the math department after a vigorous examination by the Hitting Things with Hammers department, and naturally, David got to work. Most people can't even understand, let alone comprehend, basic advanced math, so math by a long-dead civilization would probably go over a lot of people's heads. But even if I could explain it, it would not be relevant, because we're not talking about math, we're talking about David. Over the next few months, as he worked on the problem, many of his colleagues noticed that David seemed to throw himself into his work. He ate at infrequent times, he would hardly sleep, and he began to emit an oddly recognizable earthy smell, like a pig that had been rolling around in ancient math tablets. A smell commonly mistaken for a pig rolling around in ancient workout tablets. It wasn't until eight months later when a cry of, Eureka! I've done it! I've solved the equation! came from his office, and only milliseconds later, David cried out again. When security finally broke into the office after they barricaded the door, they could clearly see that David had managed to clone himself with ancient tablet maths. The Davids were quickly separated, and after determining that both Davids were perfectly identical, the site administrator flipped a coin and euthanized one of the Davids, and the ancient math tablet was destroyed by the Smashing Things with Hammers department. Listeners, I'm going to be honest. I'm only just now realizing that we might have killed the original David. That might weigh on your conscience a little, but hey, if you still feel bad about it after all this time, please, report to the infirmary immediately before it spreads. Anyway, moving on, let's check up on the containment team. Uh, it appears as though David has multiplied even more this time. No, there are six of him walking around. Breathing. The Davids haven't done much yet aside from breathe, stare at people for an uncomfortable amount of time, and gently murmur David under their breath. It also appears that the containment team is doing a real bang-up job at containing the situation. In fact, hey, Holly, do we know where the containment team is? No. Hmm, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna keep talking about the last time David did this, okay? Okay. Now, as we all know, after someone obsesses over something for months on end, and the object of their obsession is taken away, the person goes on with their lives being absolutely fine. So it was really strange when David seemed to get in a real funk after that whole incident. I'm pretty sure he tried to replicate the equation, but we managed to wipe all knowledge of how tablet math works from his mind shortly after murdering his clone, or potentially the original version of himself. The bad habits that he had obtained from his many hours of work now seemed to permeate out of apathy. He still wouldn't shower and now smelled like a pig rolling around in sadness. He would eat an unhealthy amount of food and then nothing at all for several days, and would go for weeks without saying any of his famous math puns like, Well, that about sums it up. After a while, David just wouldn't come into work. Well, 
to be more specific, he wouldn't do work. You can't exactly come into work if you can't leave. He mostly just lay in his bed all day, waiting for it all to end. We tried luring him out of his room with math problems, but for some reason that didn't work. But when a position opened up for test subjects for human cloning, he jumped right at the opportunity. And the Committee for Ethical Practices at the Strangeman Association looked at his application and said, Well, they didn't say anything. They're all dead. We had to remove them years ago. Kept saying the staff pool shouldn't be heated to a shade of boiling. Incredibly annoying, but we're off topic. David seemed fine when he went in to give them a blood sample. He was expecting something a bit more theatrical. Half-worn fetuses, rows and rows of mechanical coffins, big test tubes full of green liquid. But those would come later, and David probably wouldn't have seen all that if he hadn't broken into the production lab trying to find his perfect copy. He searched for hours and hours for his clone, but he was promptly informed that that's not how cloning works. You can't just create an exact copy through one blood sample after being tackled to the ground by the nearby security guard. But David screamed out defiantly, THEN I'LL MAKE IT WORK! Mostly to several baffled nurses after three weeks of intense treatment due to his run-in with the typical association security guard. And surprisingly, he did make it work. He altered the testing samples for the most recent batch of clones ready to be born, so that they would all be grown from his DNA, and just waited for the perfect duplicate to arise from the vat of green liquid. Of course, when the exact copy of David was cloned, the researchers recognized David immediately and proceeded to terminate the entire experiment, along with the rest of the clones. David was demoted for compromising a whole batch of specimens and completely ruining the meat harvest we had planned this year. So yeah, in conclusion, David's a pretty weird guy. I mean, generally, he's alright to be around. There was one time I sat next to him while he feverishly scribbled a bunch of notes and formulas in his notebook, and he said, Why do plants hate maths? Because it gives them square roots. <laughs> that was a real hoot. I then walked away, leaving him alone. As he muttered, The replacement of matter has to be accounted for by the others. Equivalent exchange must be accepted. Under his breath. Now I think that about sums up the whole David situation. <laughs> so I'm gonna move on to talk about the whole bathroom thing. So, so you see, remember when Holly said to Dr. Pritchard that she would go out with him when pigs fly? Well, you see... Uh, Jock? Doug, Triss, what do you want? Well... This floor is being evacuated right now. You have to come with us. Why? What's, what's going on? It... It's David, he... Containment team still doing a real bang-up job, then? Come on, it's just David. It's not that hard to restrain him. It gets a bit difficult when there are hundreds of him. Wasn't there only six of them? Not anymore. Right now, there were too many to properly contain. The entire 8th floor personnel is turning into David, so we've got I guess it must be really hard to point a gun at a clone's head and shoot it. Actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. How so? Um, well, um, uh, have you seen the Matrix sequels? No, why? Well, uh, you see, in the Matrix, the first one, there's this character, 
Agent Smith, who's like a computer program in the computer program thing called we the We really do not have time for this. Look, we think that David has been listening to the broadcast and he's coming to you right now, so we've got to get going. What's wrong with us? We haven't even gotten to the part where we talk about David's toy bear, Mr. Snuffles, who he threw away as a teenager out of a misguided need to feel mature and now wishes that he hadn't and now he really wants to hold Mr. Snuffles again. Oh, or at least give him this. to his kid. <laughs> Testing. Testing. One, two, three. <clears throat> Didn't expect this to work. Hello. I'm David. Although soon, that won't be a unique quality of mine. Nor will my experiences, my life, my face, my name, my, me. I do believe that when I am done broadcasting to the rest of the world, this whole monologue will become quite redundant. Why tell a story that everyone already knows that they were even there for, maybe for prosperity, maybe for official documentation, or just maybe someone wants to get something off their chest. I can't remember why it happened. I guess I can vain the association for that. But I have a strange suspicion that even if I were to remember, I don't believe that I could describe it. All I know is that one minute there was me, close to solving a puzzle that had been infesting my mind for months, and the next minute there was me, examining myself as I examined myself. Its appearance was redundancy, its confusion, a reprint, its identity. Well, you get the idea. And if it all goes well, you'll know the idea. Our confusion morphed into curiosity as we began to ask and answer ourselves in perfect unison, attempting to find the imperfection, the one thing that made this new something not me. Did you know that dogs can't recognize their own reflection? I find it utterly perplexing that they don't make a bigger deal out of it than they do. Here's a being that looks like you, acts like you, and copies your every movement, and they just ignore it. Or maybe they get used to it. Or perhaps the mental capacity to care about its reflection is in the same place where its ability to recognize itself isn't. I believe I spent half an hour examining myself, touching everywhere, feeling my body in a way that I had never had understood before. I could feel how I was to hold. I could truly judge how horrible and messy my haircut was without the walls of mental defense against my perceptions. And I could see that I had really nice eyes with a touch of green around the pupil. At some point, I must have remembered why this might have happened in the first place. My many months of research must have slipped my mind when viewing the final result. I believe screaming Eureka twice was the only appropriate reaction for such an occasion. We only dropped out of sync when the containment team burst into my office. I noticed it first because I was facing the doors, so the me that had his back 
towards the officers had a slow reaction when they grabbed our arms and separated us. I was interviewed. Well, they called it an interview. For documentation purposes, makes them sound better. It was an interrogation in all but name. And I only wanted to know if my self would be safe if I would be okay. They didn't answer my questions, but they didn't have to tell me when they executed me. He wasn't really a double. My essence, myself wasn't cloned or duplicated. When I, when he was there, it didn't feel like there were two of me in the room. But I'll admit, I could still feel a part of myself fade when the burning copper emerged from my horrible haircut. Six months of my life made obsolete in an amount of time that wouldn't even count as a second. And despite what the host might have said, I didn't fall into a funk. I just had nothing to do. There was no projects afterwards, and the rest of the association just left the math department alone. Sure, it wasn't like I was unaffected by the events. I was pretty depressed for a while, but losing everything you've worked for, being attacked and beaten for following orders, having your heart's desire brushed aside by a mountain of paperwork. Well, you don't get used to it, per se. You just learn to expect it. Getting involved in the cloning experiment was actually kind of an accident. There was just a new piece of paper on the notice board that said, Skin. We need your skin. Hand it over. So I handed it over. What could I say? I had nothing better to do. They took more than I would have liked, and in more places than I would have liked. But it was only after they began growing them that I was informed that my DNA sample was used to create clones. At those words, at those words, I was excited. I just couldn't wait to have the same experience again. Even when I was told that I wasn't allowed to actually see myself, I didn't listen to them. I didn't care about them. Their rules are ridiculous, mean, and horrifying. And I was going to see myself again. I'll admit, I didn't really know how cloning worked. It couldn't get me the thing I wanted. Even when I did see my exact copy in the tank full of green, it wasn't me. There was nothing of me inside of it. There were just features. My face stared back at me with all the recognition and understanding of a newborn. I'll admit it. At that point, I did become a bit manic about the whole thing. I won't go into too many details about how I managed this. I believe it would be a bit redundant. I already know how it all works, and soon 
about your own lives, for they are meaningless under the new form of the world myself shall create. Do not worry about your bones splintering, your skin boiling, your mind twisting every ounce of what was once you, crackling and blending into something, someone that is not you, and that is me. It's the pain that makes me whole. You are not being tormented for torment's sake. You are just beginning to experience me. And when the torture of being ripped out from your own sight, your own view, your own perspective, when it all begins to not fade, but become routine, then there is no longer a you. There will just be me. There will just be David. There will be nothing spared. All will be David. Your neighbors will be David. Your friends, your family will be David. The woman working at the corn shop, the tired man in the dairy aisle, the strange man in the cheese aisle, the crowd surrounding the new raspberry flavor, the city full of people surrounding the new raspberry flavor. They shall all be Davids. The new world is a world of David. Where I am one, and I am- ah! Sorry about that, folks. Uh, we've got everything under control. Triss, take this David out to David screening. I'll just finish up the broadcast. Mm. Now, in brief. So, apparently after a quick investigation, we have now learned that David had used a wish from our very own Strangeman Association brand Monkey's Paw. However, that came with the caveat that he can't just make clones out of thin air and has to change other people into himself, which kind of slows down the process. Don't worry about us, folks. We were quickly escorted out before one of the Davids took over our radio show and started monologuing. We're unsure why, but as we've recently discovered through vigorous background checks, David was a theater kid, so that may be an explanation. Also following this investigation, David has been marked for immediate termination. Anyway, he was so distracted by his monologuing that I managed to easily sneak around him with my sneakers and hit him over the head with a baseball bat, courtesy of the rubbing things with hammers department. Unbeknownst to the David in the recording booth, the new containment team, codename Some Boys, had discovered that the Davids can be changed back by using a little mix of and lemon sauce. Most of the Davids have been changed back, but we're still rooting out some that have hidden in closets, drain pipes, and your desk. So remember, if you see something, say something. Say everything. Reveal your secrets to us and specifically the location of the last David you saw. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that that whole thing is behind us. Or at least, I'm never gonna think about it again. And I'm definitely sure we're out of time for this broadcast. So thank you for listening to the Strangeman's No Access Radio. Sorry about the David attack, and tune in tomorrow for the only radio show where you can age in real time. I mean, if you want to. Good night. This episode of The Strangeman's No Access Radio was written, edited, and directed by Lachlan Millard. This episode featured Bronte Thompson as Holly Greenwall, Remus Douglas as Doug the Sound Guy, Riley Bussenshut as Triss Barkwell, 
David Hatherley as David, and Ryder Gavin as Jock Tuckerby. Thanks for listening.